Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time live. You can join us and watch us live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. And please subscribe to that. It really helps the show. We've got some interesting stories this week, and we've got a, a, a great panel. We have rested after the Thanksgiving, you know, our uh, pandemic Thanksgivings. Our, um, I went on a little trip to Yosemite, so I enjoyed myself. Our, um, so I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves quickly, and that let's start with Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Sally Getch, WP fangirl. I'm in Oakley, California, and uh, my WordPress meetup is still going pretty strong. We're talking about WooCommerce this month. Oh, right. That's great. And uh, Heather, Heather, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? I am the Digital Solutions Lead at The Difference, CTO of Rocketeer, and author of best-selling book, Birth of a Unicorn, which has sold out its first edition already. Woo! Nice. Very impressive. You want to increase you want to increase your volume a little okay. bit, Heather. All right, right. There we go. we'll do. Um, John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself, John? John Locke from lockdownseo.com. And Spencer, would you like to um introduce yourself? No. <laughs> Come on, be nice to me. I saw a biography on Prince. You remember the artist Prince? And it was yes. funny because like he was so awesome, but he was talking to his manager and she said like he never really wanted to talk to people. So they showed a clip of Dick Clark asking him, so how many years have you been doing this? And he goes, <laughs> I was thinking like, maybe I should talk less around her. So. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I don't want to reply to that. Um, Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Stephen Souter from zipfish.io where we make WordPress blazing fast. That's great. So let's go straight. Um, but oh, before I go into our first story, I was just teasing you there, listeners and viewers. I want to talk about one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. Kinsta Hosting is a WordPress hosting provider only. It's a premier one. If you've got a WooCommerce, a learning management system, a membership site, for yourself or for clients, you want to go over to Kinsta because you need that extra power and support. Um, they're blazingly fast, best service on the market, best value, I feel. And so go over to Kinsta, have a look at their products, buy one. And the main thing is if you do that, and I highly suggest that you do, is that you tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So let's go straight into story one. Why WordPress will soon power 50% of all websites. So what did you think of this one, Sally? Uh, well, I, uh, <clears throat> I saw this uh, latish last night. It, it popped up in a, in a list and I thought, hmm, well, 50%. I mean, you know, uh, we know Matt Mullenweg wants world domination for WordPress and uh, we seem to be getting there. I noticed, the first thing I noticed looking at it is we've got this like a uh, fat guy in an undershirt in the, uh, <clears throat> you know, in, in the pool, which is supposed to be WordPress. And I'm really wondering what the subtext of, of that uh, 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 graph <laughs> is. Um <clears throat> But uh, I hope you're not talking about me, Sally. Uh, no. Uh, I think that's what Matt's going to look like once we get to 50%. It's going to take a couple of years. Uh, oh. Bald and bearded? Well, the beard does come and go. That's uh, auto. Uh, anyway, um, the, the current score basically is uh, 39% of all websites um, and uh, 63.8% of websites that use content management systems. Uh, so that does make uh, WordPress the, uh, you know, <clears throat> the gorilla in that world. Uh, and if you go down to, in the article a little bit, they, they say, okay, well, um, you know, other than basically other than WordPress, uh, open source platforms are kind of dropping behind. Wix has... has yeah, I thought that was a really interesting part of the survey that Drupal and Joomla who were the darlings of the of the real PHP developer type, 
you know, it's really the rise of the kind of SaaS like Shopify that it's becoming the real competition to WordPress, isn't it, Sally? Well, uh, yes. Now, there are a couple of things here. One is um, we have this pandemic, and that means people are going into e-commerce, you know, at an exponentially greater rate than they were. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have the misfortune to uh, uh, <clears throat> to work with a Joomla site for something I do that uh, I was not in charge of choosing the technology for. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. I mean, it's, I respect Joomla, but I can't say I like it. Uh, but. Um, Does the cat like it? Oh, the cat likes anything that will allow her to get attention. Oh, there you go. That's one another reason, listeners and viewers, that you should join us live. Uh, you, you can, can watch, you can the, watch cat. the cats, you know, the fascinating. Is that a Scottish cat? What kind of cat is that? Um, uh, Lynx Point. Uh, Lynx Point. Okay. Si- si- uh, yes, Chinese you joined the, right, the right show, Cats. This weekend, Cats. But anyway, it says like, so how is it that they're getting, uh, uh, that they've managed to grow? Uh, and it says, you know, Mullen Wagon, the automatic team's decisions have driven momentum for investment, collaboration, and of course, more users. They've even brought Google's attention. Let's look at some of the most exciting developments. So, so I'll let you Sorry, uh, pass it on for the most exciting developments or whatever else yeah, Heather yeah, yeah. wants to talk I'm, about. I'm sorry, I had to laugh, listeners of yours. Um, if Matt really believes that, it just shows what a crazy world he lives in. Um, ever, ever. What did you think of this article? Honestly, um, for me, I think that the the main thing is that it's so easy to use WordPress for um, for sites. I mean, like even my husband, um, who's been on the show, he uh, he switched over to WordPress and he's a developer. Like, I mean, he he's the kind of guy that uh, is do or die. Like, he he would always make his own. He was to keep away from that horrible stuff. He wants to keep into the higher planes of artificial intelligence and well, big data. Why is he? Why is he? Why is he reducing himself to deep? No, no, but the, but that's the thing. Like, I mean, he's a Microsoft MVP. Like, has all the the Azure credits like that he can get for free. And and like, I mean, he. He he's been coding, hand coding his his HTML and and everything, and and then he's like, you know what? Screw it! Like I've been waiting forever for for um, like .NET uh, to to make itself better, uh, but it's not. And WordPress is just easy, so like he can pop up his new site in like two seconds and and then have it on Cloudways and be all good. So. Um, well, yeah, I thought I agreed with most of that. Obviously, not cl- the cloud ways. Um, <laughs> should be, you must educate yourself, Heather. It's got to be Kinsta. I'm sorry. Um, so, Spencer, what did you think of this? Something it's all like down that. to Matt Moeg's great decisions, isn't it, Spencer? <laughs> Some of it might have to do with those investments, though. <laughs> I'm going to use a metaphor of here in my house, especially with the pandemic, we like to cook. My, my middle son likes to cook with me, and I like to cook. Now, here's what happens. Um, some people like to cook everything exactly from scratch. So let's say you're going to make a pasta dish, okay? Some people insist on literally making the pasta and then going from the pasta to everything else that you do with the pasta dish. I say life is too short to start from scratch and everything. So metaphorically, what WordPress does is it's like buying a really good ready-made pasta, and now I can make the dish. Sure, I could figure out how to do it from HTML and CSS and JavaScript and blah, 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 but why would I do that? Because I'm 54, I don't want to spend a year making the pasta, I just want the pasta dish. So from that standpoint, WordPress still, and maybe only exclusively, is the only game in town that I can think of that's still an open source platform that you can build as a CMS. I mean, I had a client yesterday come to me who had Magento, which I think may or may not still exist for e-commerce part. But then I had this long it's, conversation. It's still there. I, I uh, have, but, 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 you know, it, it, it still exists. Okay, but so like, you know, in the WordPress space, it used to be Drupal and Joomla. They're dead. I mean, let's be honest. It was like fractional market share. If you compare like the WooCommerce 
to Magento. She was even lamenting. She said, like, we have 200,000 SKUs. We'd love to get off of this sinking ship because it's a fortune to find anybody who will even be able to help us with this. Whereas in WordPress with WooCommerce, it's like, take a number. Like, there's a million people to help you. So that's essentially what's happened is it's the, the only potluck dinner in town. And what I feel is great about that, and that's where my business is, is like this is the year going into 2021 where inside of that potluck dinner is a very specific recipe for how to do things. Mm -hmm. That's what we offer. But it doesn't mean that anybody can't throw anything they want into their pasta dish, you know. No, and, that's great. and that's a unique experience. That's great. So what do you reckon, John? You moved to John. Can you hear us, John? Yeah. Yeah. Am I unfrozen? Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, okay. Anyway, uh, what I found really interesting is Shopify is now the second most popular platform. It overtook Joomla. Um, they are exploding as far as an e-commerce solution. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing that I found interesting is Wix overtook Drupal, uh, their spot in, in this list. So things definitely are changing. I, 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 this is a really comprehensive article that not only looked at, it wasn't just rah-rah WordPress, but it mm -hmm. kind of looked at, at the whole, you know, selection of, of, of CMSs as a whole and what's going on. As Sally mentioned, like a lot of people jumped on uh, with e-commerce uh, during the, the pandemic this year and probably ongoing into next year too. Um you know, it, it, and I've said before, like 50%, oh, WordPress will never get there. But it, but it's within striking distance now. If it continues on this, according to this article, it will be there in uh, 2025. Uh, it will have 50% market share. So if that happens, I stand corrected. So well, That's great points. Thanks for that, John. So, Stephen, do you want to comment on this or should I go on to story two and you can start off with story two? What do you want to do, uh, Stephen? Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I think what's interesting is like where, like why is WordPress growing? I mean, we had WordPress grow a lot as Joomla and Drupal kind of decreased being like those are the open source platforms. So people who were, were moving from Joomla and Drupal to WordPress. But now Joomla and Drupal have, you know, way less user share. So there's less users for WordPress to get from those two platforms. So then the next question is where are they coming from? And I think that's why this uh, article talks a little bit about what direction is Matt taking WordPress because your next competition is with the Shopify, the Wix, the Squarespace space people. Like that's where you're gonna have to start drawing more and more people if your platform is going to keep growing and growing. Um, I think WordPress also is hitting this point in maturity. I mean, I know WordPress is like super mature compared to 90% of everything else out there, but where you have the ability to pay for the support that you need, but still have the um, open source benefits, meaning that there's plugins that you can buy, but they're still open source. There's hosting that you can buy that's incredibly rock solid, but it still allows you to run your open source products and they have configured the systems to support this complexity. And there's enough money in the WordPress ecosystem that those things have hit the maturity that I think will also help drive the user growth as you know it goes from 39.1% to trying to get you know that 50%. We'll see if they make it. I think the next 10% is going to be way harder than yeah. the last 10%. Yeah, um, well, re diminishing return principle, isn't it? Um, let's go on to story two. Um, Salesforce buys Slack in a 2.7.7 fire sale. It was a, it, it was in the sale and it was a snip. So uh, so Heather, uh, um, what did you think of this Salesforce buying Slack? Oh man, uh, this is something that everybody's talking about today, uh, this week. Um, uh, so honestly, I, I love Salesforce as a company and I've always hated Slack. Uh, so, um, like I, I love the things that Salesforce can do like with Einstein and AI and, and all the things and, and all the data and the backbone that it's had. And, um, and like, I've always, always had a beef with, with Slack and their, their Slack security, like the, the, th the approach that they've taken with, uh, like how, how little they care about their users and how little they care about things. So I'm 
excited that Salesforce is is taking over this company. And, and I think that people are going to hate it. Like the people that love Slack are going to hate what Salesforce does to it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where I am on that. No, I look forward to it. I mean, I like Slack, but I can't think that 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 the reason that I like using Slack in the Slack groups I'm in is like because of poor security or or other issues. So, uh, you know, I don't like integrations. I I think the security issue comes in like how easy it is to build an integration into Slack. I mean, they've made it like a little bit more challenging, but. you can integrate into like build whatever you want and get a lot of data out of it. Like if you have some sort of, um, and they've been breached so many times and they don't care. I remember back in the day, I was probably like four or five years ago, something like that. You could go into any Slack group and grab every email address from anybody in the Slack group. I can't do that anymore. I don't think you but, can still do sort of that, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's terrible. I mean, it was like literally like copy paste. You have, you know, if you could join a Slack group with 5,000 people around a specific idea, like, well, now you got all those contacts. Uh, can you oh, email crazy. me and give me those instructions? Later? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, can I you, 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 you send those instructions? It's so much easier than Facebook. Look up phantombuster.com. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a good thing that they're in the hands of grownups then. But that was the magic too. Like, it was so like kind of hacky that as like a developer, you could go in and build cool things that like you couldn't build on any other platform with like speed and ease, which made them blow up the way that they did. So what do you reckon, John? Do you think um, Salesforce have got a bargain for the 27.7 billion? Mm. Well, I I think the bigger story here is the reason why Slack sold. Um, the, The underpinning is there's a competing product that Microsoft puts out called Teams. And they are actually able. They have actually been able to sell paid subscriptions to organizations. The reason why Slack sold to Salesforce is because their sales team in Slack could not achieve the level of sales to organizations that they were aiming to get. The reason Salesforce is acquiring this, and Salesforce yes also has a a stake in uh, WP Engine and Automatic, right? Am I yeah. correct? Yeah. I think, I'm not sure about I don't WP, know about WP Engine, but definitely yeah, I'm not sure automatic. about that one. But there we go. Oh, okay. But, but, but anyway, the whole, the whole reason is their, their organization has a sales team that knows how to run organizations through this process and, you know, get sales. So that's where they see the value in this $27 billion. So there you go. Yeah, the, yeah, I follow your logic, John. So Spencer, you know, it's just it was just the price, twenty seven point seven billion um, for uh, you know Slack, but it didn't seem really to be going anywhere. That's what was reflected in its sales pro- in its share price because the market thought, well, nice product, but it's not really going anywhere in in profit sales terms. So why do you think? Got anything to add why Salesforce snapped it up? Yes. Uh, I think the the root of the issue is what John is talking about, which is that Salesforce is the Tiffany's of of the enterprise CRM world. Uh, When we're working with the WP Fusion product connecting to WordPress, there's maybe 40, almost 50 CRMs now that connect. The, The least expensive and most capable is active campaign. If you're doing marketing automation, Active Campaign is like $9 a month to start. Salesforce, you, you can't touch it for less than hundreds a month, maybe even thousands. And it's an enterprise level. But it comes like in a package, sort of like if you talked about a Microsoft.net product. It's, it's this like guy or woman in a suit is going to come to your organization and give you all the things that are about the bigger corporate thing, not about whether the product's better. So what John is saying, I think, is true, is that they had a hole in their portfolio of stuff that everybody feels like is necessary in today's corporate world, especially when everyone's home. So rather than making it from scratch and doing like a PayPal fiasco, uh, like what is this product? They just 
acquire something that's well-known, has an interface with its problems, and voila, they rebrand it magically, they filled the hole, mm -hmm. and they can charge Tiffany pricing for, and this is the second part of this. So what's gonna happen, I think Heather is alluding to this, is they will break the F out of this thing and start charging you a fortune for it, just like Microsoft has done to Skype, which is a disaster, or like they did to a little product on the Mac that I, I still have the old version of called uh, Skitch. As soon as the bigger company acquires the product, they just destroy everything that was good about it. But in Salesforce's world, nobody will complain because none of the- Because enterprise software is usually terrible, so. Terrible to begin with. They already charge, again, 100x what the same product would do on the open market. Like Active Campaign for marketing automation does better than, than the disaster of what Salesforce does. Does Salesforce do better as a back-end engine? 100%. Like you can't run a, a big corporation without using Salesforce on the back-end. But for automation, no. Anyway, to my point, what I predict will happen is this is fine. They will break the product. They will make you pay for it. And everybody will move on to the next greatest thing. Like a, they'll use Discord, right? So if you're in the open market and you want the Slack effect and then Salesforce says, I got to start paying for it. I'll be like, hasta la vista, baby. I'll just put in Discord and do it today for free or move on to something else. And that's how the ecosystem works. You know, look at what GoDaddy and all the other companies are doing. They're acquiring all the pieces that they can. Sometimes they don't break them, but most of the time they do. And that's just how it goes. Just, I was doing okay. Then you mentioned GoDaddy, the cold sweat. <laughs> right. Cold sweat down my back there. Uh, um, back to you, Stephen. You know, uh, what do you reckon? I think it's impressive they were able to get uh, 27.7 billion. Uh, Slack's been declining for a little while. Um, but um, I think this article kind of talks about how it's sort of like a match made in heaven. Um, I think both companies will benefit a lot from each other. Uh, Slack has the ability to grow a lot more. Um, and I think Salesforce might even have the opportunity to convert some of your paid Slack users into more Salesforce um, products. And so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, uh, Slack exiting, kudos to them. Like they were kind of on a sinking ship there. So uh, I think they got out like right at the, at the correct time. Like once you realize you're kind of going down, things, are, things aren't looking so hot. Um, but you're still worth a lot of money. So I mean, you know, for, just to add, Slack, sorry to interrupt you, Stephen. I apologize. Slack made 400 million in 2019, mm -hmm. which is not like it's given away the thing. But if we look at Salesforce, Salesforce's annual revenue was, oh Jesus, I don't even know what this is. It's 16 billion in 2020. So, <laughs> so many, so many zeros. You could read them. <laughs> $17.1 billion. So when you talk about acquiring something, it's a big, I mean, it's a big X factor. If you say a company's 400 million, you buy for 27 billion, that's like 54 X. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it in terms of like, put the Salesforce logo on the front of it, it's kind of like when Costco finds a product that they like to sell, you know, they put the Kirkland label on it and it matched 400 million becomes 400 trillion overnight because they've got all the stores where people just think it's their product. That's what's going on here. So, all right. I think we go for our break and we've got, a, well, we've got, a, oh, yeah, double three is a juicy story. Um, we've got some juicy stories. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels. No friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, 
related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back after our long break. <laughs> and uh, um, have, a, have a, I always put a smile on Heather's face. I think because I'm an idiot, probably. Uh, um, so there we go. Um, but before we go into our next story, I want to tell about a webinar that me and Uncle Spencer are doing on Friday the 11th, December the 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it's a live webinar. You can join us. Um, it's all free. And we're going to be talking about launch flows, but we're going to be talking also about WP Fusion integrating that probably with Fluent CRM into a coherent power landing page funnel tool it should be great. You can join us. All you have to do is go to the WP Tonic website and go to the main navigation at the top. There's a button saying webinar. Click it and you can join us for free. And I, I say that's on December, Friday, the 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So on to um, our next story. Why Flywheel and Div are perfect pair for your WordPress workflow. What did you brought this to my attention, didn't you, Sally? Um, uh, um, yes, I saw but, it in, I think it was the business of WordPress first, but it was just like WTF. Um, given that, you know, a flywheel. Uh, it looks to me, looks pretty obvious that WP Engine are going to buy Divi, doesn't it? What a horrifying notion. What? <laughs> um, uh, what Where'd that come from? Well, WP Engine, oh, WP oh. Engine own, owns uh, 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 true though, true though, but uh, and, <laughs> and uh, and they bought uh, uh, Studio Press a little while ago, um, and you know the, uh, we brought this up in the uh, Genesis Slack <clears throat> with a sort of what 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 the heck? Um, <clears throat> also the 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 fact that. Um, if you look into the fact and things on this page, it's like it, it doesn't even like you don't get a discount or a bundle or whatever. It's it's like, so what exactly are they offering you? And we're like, what's up? Um, <clears throat> and uh, the response uh, uh, that I got from the uh, guy who works with WP Engine is, um, and I'm going to have to sc scroll up here on my... Uh, Yes, yeah, funny's words of wisdom uh, 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 on my uh, on my Slack, but uh, soon be ruined by Salesforce, uh, right? You know, <laughs> yes, uh, nothing nothing to do with Salesforce. But anyway, um, the response is that partnership has been around for a while. Flywheel has a flow that allows Divi users to instantly spin up sites with Divi pre-installed. Flywheel also have a couple of other partner flows like that. I didn't look up what they were, but I would guess maybe Elementor uh, is involved in one of them because it's very popular. We offer a similar flow with Genesis on WP Engine. It, you can have Genesis framework blocks and custom blocks pre-installed when you spin up a new WP instance on the platform. We're working at a supercharged version of that workflow with Genesis-powered sites, which will let you pick a Genesis blocks collection, blah, blah, TLDR. We're, blah, blah, blah. we're a platform, so we support customers hosting needs no matter what tech they are. But we have similar expanded versions of those flows for Genesis tech. Now, he's talking to the Genesis people who are like, Divi, really? Are you serious? Uh, his, his further comment oh, you, was, was you basically... You're a bunch of snobs over there in your bloody little studio press world, aren't you? Oh, well, because you love Divi so much? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I don't, well uh, yeah, it's true, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, theoretically, you could use the Divi builder with a, with a Genesis theme, but I, I, I can't imagine. So, yeah, basically... I'm going, over, think, I'm going to put it over to John because John's yes. eyes were getting well, wild. Hey, what, whatever I think about it, um, there are a whole lot of fans of Divi. And for a hosting company to support it 
makes a certain kind of sense. They're going to buy it. It's pretty old. Uh, what do you reckon? They might do. What do you reckon, John? Oh, I don't know. I mean, a hosting company would have to buy it because, I mean, despite what you think, Divi is, is probably the most popular page builder outside of, you know, whatever gets bundled in Theme Forest themes. It's probably... Oh, do, you, do, you, do you think it's more popular than Animator? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Nah, mm. here's why. The numbers are one thing, but the difference between the products is significant. Divi is the most popular theme, but not the mo most popular page builder. And that's a difference of, of importance today because yeah. really Divi has become such a heavy, heavy, heavy product that there's an objective eight second to 10 second load time just on the admin pages, whereas Elementor can live inside of any theme. Nobody is putting the Divi page builder inside of another theme. So, I mean, your point is not to argue with you. The point is to say that it's a different product. It's literally in the class of like things people don't do anymore, where a theme with a page builder all in one, whereas Elementor is really a page builder without a theme attached to it. Sorry. Well, Back to yeah. the regularly scheduled program. Oh, that's fine. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I understand like why Flywheel is, you know, bundling this, um, you know, and, and perhaps um, that, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's a well, popular way to build. I just want to put this to you, John. Yeah, you know, I would, yeah, I would, just for the record, I would not recommend building a site on Divi if it was right. me. But I, um, I, want to put it. It, I want to put this to you, John. Now, obviously, WP Engine owned Flywheel. You know, WP Engine owned Studio Press Genesis, and they they took, and then they bought Flywheel. So I reckon they think to themselves, why not do the same thing we did with um, WP Engine? We do bought Flywheel. How we can bring in a, a large mm. user base as we did with uh, Genesis? Oh yeah, we buy we That's buy Divi. Uh, well, that's possible, but I'll, I'll tell you something. A lot of the people that I know that have stuck with Genesis. Um, th they were using either like Genesis with Elementor or Genesis with Beaver Builder. That seemed to be a really popular stack. Um, I, I think that the user base for Divi is bigger than that. And oh, I'm sure. And Elegant Themes probably has um, more money than, than Studio Press. I think Studio Press sold because they see, they're smart enough to see the writing on the wall with um, that eventually like the block editor will be viable enough to where, you know, their, their product is, is not necessarily going to be on the upswing anymore. I think Genesis got really popular, like with a lot of people, yeah. um, you know, pushing it, but Divi, I, I think is still pretty popular because I still see people launching new sites with Divi all that's, the time. That's true. You well, and I, me, I, you and me know a one too, several. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So there you go. So there you go. Um, um, I've got to admit, listeners and viewers, I'm not a great lover of Divi. I've got to be truthful about it. Uh, um, um, I, so, Stephen, I, 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 the only thing I slightly disagree with my friend John here is that I think the writing also is on the wall for Divi as well. And I, I, I think they can see it. It might not be as further on as Studio Press. And I, I think they're just right. It's so obvious to me that Flywheel, which is WP Engine, is going to buy them because that I can only see why not because you, you're you're mimicking exactly what WP Engine does, and I wondered why they bought Flywheel in the first place. I think we now have a clear um, picture of where they're going with this. Or do you totally disagree, Stephen? No, I mean I think this like really points to. The maturity of the market space here, like partnerships, acquisitions, people trying to become bigger is really the name of the game. And we're seeing these monolithic companies emerging from what used to be, you know, one to two man plug and development teams or hosting providers, you know, all over the place. All of a sudden it's this huge consolidation where now you have, you know, companies with hundreds and thousands of employees. Um, I think it's interesting that Flywheel chose to partner with Divi. I think um, it's WP Engine kind of exercising some of its extra outside brands to try to pull in other people without um, cannibalizing some of their own products inside of their own ecosystem. So I thought that was an interesting move um, by using Flywheel to push this partner with Divi. 
Um, as far as like Divi and Divi speeds and stuff, I mean, really, it's up to the the host, and you can make Divi pretty fast um, as long as there's not too many crazy add-ons that people add um, by optimizing um, how the how the plugin loads and on the back end and the front end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Flywheel has done anything to customize their hosting um, platform that is on these Divi stuff, or are they just like doing a simple pre-install? Well, it's it's certainly a much needed thing if they have. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Eva, Eva, do you, do you, I don't even know if you, if you know anything. I, what I you're have talking no about? bones in this fight. All right, so we're, we're leaving to the next story. So, Uncle Spencer, I've got to, I think you predict, got to give you your due. I think you predicted this really. Um, I've got to give you credit because I, I think it's linked when you said, you know, these hosting companies have got to find a, a way of individualizing themselves. And what do you think of my synopsis that um, really Flywheel, it's pretty obvious that Flywheel are going to buy Divi and they're just going to mimic what WP Engine did with Studio Press, really. Studio Press is different. And I think you just said it or somebody just said it is that. Um, even though I really admire Brian and he's a fellow Chicagoan, uh, the handwriting was on the wall for that make for that way of making websites. I mean, the whole point of Studio Press and Genesis was like all the way back to the beginning of using functions and hooks to make stuff. That's I loved it. I used to teach that for ten years. That's over. So they were sinking. There's nowhere to go with it. Divi is run by Nick and has. A recurring revenue model, I would imagine now in the tens of millions of dollars with them doing nothing. Like literally, he has a team of developers that improve the product slowly. Their focus is 100% on people who want graphics first, functionality second, which is to John's point, the difference between Elementor, which is a mechanical tool first and a aesthetic tool second. Divi is 100% aesthetics first. Everything they do and make is about aesthetics at the cost of speed, functionality, practicality, and bloat. But here's the only way that that would change. I can't speak for Nick, but it's a one-guy company. He literally has done an incredible job of growing it. He's got this built-in recurring revenue. He never probably has to work again. If somebody just gave him a 10x cash buyout, sure, why not? I mean, but then he'd be like, what do I do with my life? But there's nothing about the business that's going out. In fact, if nothing else, it's growing because they do more page builder kind of drag and drop features. Yeah, I thought, I think everything you say that I totally agree, but the only thing I think you're taking out, it's not so much Divi. It is because I always think anybody's got a price, really. You know, I think it's more to do with WP Engine because if they don't really do this, their aim is to go public. You know, their aim is either be bought out or go public, and it's probably go public. And they're probably looking to do that in the next year, probably. And they've got to uh, they've got to get this growth engine moving. And but, but, um, hold, but, hold, but hold on on that point because there's an interesting distinction. Go to the bottom of this page, and you will see. And this is, listen, I'm guilty of doing this myself when I keep talking about what my consortium is, you know, ClickFunnels and WordPress. It's the same thing. Read the first thing. Is Divi included in the price of Flywheel? Nope. You just, two different companies. People just go buy Divi and then use it in Flywheel. So you say back to your original question, what the hell is this page all about? This page is a marketing and information page. In the world we live in, anybody can make a Lego block for WordPress. The value is in making it clear to the end user which Lego blocks to use and why. Flywheel is selling the ready-to-go space and the underlying architecture to put your Divi block into, and then they're going to spend the money to market it. Why do they need to buy Divi? They don't care about the extra $25 or $30 a year for Divi subscription. They care that somebody sees this and goes, oh, it's so easy to just get my Divi thing that I love here at Flywheel. That's the point. And that's what they're doing now for free. So again, same thing, because I actually do the exact same stuff with all the other players that we talk about. It's like, here's how to build a membership or marketing automation site. Use, use Zipfish for hosting and WP Fusion for marketing automation and use, you know, LearnDash or Lifter for this and so on and so forth. And it's like, 
that's what people need is the information of what to do so that they're not in the Home Depot, like lost in the aisles mode. And at the end of the day, the technology is irrelevant because factually speaking, Divi is a great theme and plugin kind of combined that has an amazing business model, kind of a little bit like Gravity Forms, but you know, that's obviously not. Yeah. But like Carl Hancock's never going to sell Gravity Forms for God's sake. He's got people subscribing for 15 years. There's like, what's the point? You'd have to go out and reinvent themselves for what? Yeah, right. On to the next story, probably our last. Um, um, oh, yeah, this is another juicy one. I'm going to let Heather start with this one. More than 20,000 users submit cases to Facebook Oversight Board. Well, we've got 20,000 people that got too much time on their hands, Heather, to no. waste waste their breath trying to appeal to Facebook, haven't they? Really? No, 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 no. No, you disagree. Go on, off you go, Heather. No, so that's it's not just what winding you up. Yeah, no. So um, what this story is about is that, um, so the first level of Facebook. Do you really think they're going to get anywhere with Facebook? I think so. I mean, so, I mean, so Facebook has been trying really hard to um, put in their automatic, uh, their automatic oversight so that it would uh, flag posts that are, um, that have political issues and get rid of, get rid of things that have um, uh, any kind of bias in the wrong way. I mean, because they, they weren't doing this for a while and now, now they are, and, and they're, they felt really bad about um, like causing any kind of political issues. Oh, I'm sure they felt bad as they were counting the cash. Yeah, well, I, I imagine many people felt bad who were at Facebook. Um, well, yeah, no. And for some countries, Facebook is their internet. This is this is all they have, and I mean, it, there, there's this this concept called filter bubbles, where um, the more that you uh, like and see and and turn off uh, people that you don't like, then these are the only things that you see. I mean, if you if you poll your friends um, about like what's in their feed, then you'll see that they are only seeing things that agree with them. And, and it gets worse and worse over time. So it started with like, oh, do you agree or disagree with like anti-vaxxers? And like, then it just has split from there. And then suddenly like we've got a social uh, divide in our country. Well, in other countries, it's even worse. And like they're like in China, there's the issue with the Uyghurs and in Myanmar, um, there there's entire bits of the country that don't even know that there's like genocides going on and they don't believe it. And, and then like there's kids growing up today that have no idea that the Holocaust existed because like there's like their feed is telling them that it didn't. And, and it's, uh, and that it was a lie and it was a hoax. And that's what they're growing up believing. And, and this is a problem. Um, so. Oh, well, so, I totally agree with you. That it's a problem. And um, if but I that's come what, across. But, but, the, but that's what this oversight board is for, because like. No, this, being is, t- this is why we, we've got to totally disagree on this, Heather. And uh, okay. you're much brighter than me and much nicer than me. Yeah, don't, um, don't stop fighting, Heather. Um, no, it's what I, sells I, I, the show. It's our first total disagreement on this show, ever. Uh, I think you totally are deluding yourself that this is what this is about. This is about trying to defend the undefendable. Um, this is pure marketing spin of the most cynical um, level possible. But that that's Facebook for you. So, but um, you totally disagree, don't you, Heather? Yeah, I mean, so I'm not I, sure you let her finish her thought. Yeah, I mean, in it, there are so many things that their algorithm, like their their first level algorithm, is is marking as insensitive and wrong and taking down when at, which need to go to a human level of oversight. Uh, which need to go to people. I mean, and this is why like a lot of people started flocking to, to parlor, which was one of the stories that we're not going to get to probably today um, because they were like, okay, well, the first level is humans. Well, unfortunately humans are really terrible as a first level filter. You need to have AI as the first level filter and humans need to interpret later. Cause like the computer can do 
a lot can look at the, the millions and billions of posts that are happening every day and filter it down to just these 20,000. I'm glad that it's only 20,000 people that are being, go- that are going to the, to the human board. But I mean, and I think that they will get some of these overturned, but I mean, like, why is, why, why can like Kira Knightley um, show her body naked on Facebook because, and it's not flagging her because it thinks she's a boy. Whereas like a guy uh, going through, uh, like, I mean, a guy that has like man boobs um, gets flagged as insensitive. Like, I mean, this is the kind of thing that the computer doesn't know. Um, so, <laughs> like, well, so, uh, yes, there, there's those famous cases of Facebook flagging breastfeeding women as porn. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and so it's, this is the kind of thing that um, a human, like with empathy, can override. And, and so if, if, a, if a social post that's showing on purpose uh, that they're, all of those Holocaust photos that are coming from like the National Archives um, that are graphic on purpose, um, if they're getting if they're getting knocked down because they're being reported as as genocide and terrible and awful, um, well, Facebook can override them because they're coming from the National Archives. <laughs> and yes, they are terrible and awful, but people need to see them. People need to see the Uyghurs. People need to see all these things. But Facebook's algorithm is correctly uh, marking them as awful <laughs> and then taking them down. And they're correctly um, they're correctly marking like nudity if there's a sensitivity filter, but then a human needs to override it. Um, and and I, th- I think that that's where these appeals come from. And that it's only 20,000 is, is important to notice because there are billions of people that are using this site and uh, like that there's only 20,000 is, is the real Well, I'm, I'm wondering how many of the people who've had stuff taken down or flagged or whatever even know that there is an oversight board that they could appeal to. Yeah, exactly. Um, John, my friend John, who doesn't care about my feelings, so he's going to do. I think Kev has, I think Kev has totally lost the plot. I think she's she's um, sipped the, um, the the nonsense, the Facebook yeah. um, too too lag too much. But what do you reckon, John? I think um, all of these social platforms. Uh, need to have some sort of regulation because just this whole thing where people are. Oh no. Come on. Come back. Yeah, you come back in a second. What do you reckon, Spencer? You're, you're similar to. I just think Heather. Sorry, Heather. I'm not being nasty to you. I love you, Heather. Uh, um, I, I just think she's totally lost the plot, you know. I, I think Facebook couldn't care fuck about any of this. All they care about is their money. That they, they they were from day one they knew that this was going to happen and the consequences, but they did I, it. Because- I, I would argue that they like from day one they didn't know that it was gonna happen and that it just became a train that kept rolling down the track. Um, because like I work with startups all the time and like from day one, they have no idea what it's going to be because they don't think about it. It's my job to go into a startup and explain to them that this is what's going to happen. Like when I, when I talk to the CTO of like open AI and I'm like, okay, well, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, are you understanding that you're going to be sitting in front of uh, a congressional committee explaining why your AI is now writing um, like all of the the news uh, for the internet, like on its own without any reporters doing this, like why it's programming things. Like, so as you, as the CTO, like being ethical, programming it right now is very important. <laughs> like, I just, I'm sorry, Heather. I just don't buy all this. Uh, I think at best it's camouflage at worst. Um, it, it's a level of cynicism of of breathtaking um, level. When well, and when historians look back at this, they will just laugh at the at the um, the semi innocence of um, 
of quite sophisticated people dealing with such a cynical corporation like Facebook who really, really at their core don't care a fuck of the consequences. They're responsible. They're fiscally responsible to their shareholders. I mean, at the core, they are a business just like anyone else. Like, I mean, they, they have to make money just like any other company. And that doesn't make them evil. (laughs) Well, they, Um, I think we, in itself, um, I don't know. There's some uh, arguments about capitalism and shareholders and whether it, it ends up making people evil. But uh, John's back. Uh, John, we lost you, John. I'm sorry, and I think or something. Oh, but that's fine. Yeah, what, my, what were you going to say? My connection was unstable. No, I understand. I I, I think I get what you're saying, but um, uh, these tech companies need to be regulated in some way, and I think the only reason why they're not being regulated is because a, a lot of the uh, GDP that's coming from the United States and that is happening in the stock market is coming from these technology companies like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But what we're seeing is a lot of people radicalized. And as Heather said, there are genocides that are happening in China. In, um, and I'm going to say this wrong, but uh, Myanmar. But there's genocides that have already occurred because people were radicalized on, on Facebook. Now, Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and whoever's in charge of YouTube, they do not want this regulation. But um, what happens is, is people start going down these rabbit holes and then pretty soon it's like this is all they believe. And they're, you know, they, they're joining the, the uh, insurgent group to go kidnap the governor because the, the COVID's a hoax that's going <laughs> to put microchips nanotech in your uh, body, you know, so things like this. I mean, this is Facebook. Facebook did to our parents what they said video games would do to us. I've heard that said. That's, that's a very good, that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw it over to Spencer. Is it me? Is it just I'm an old, cynical, wretched old Englishman and have a, with a fresh face, charming nature, you know, right, or and I, or is it just I'm a cynical old English dude? Or am I right that they I, don't? I think they, the they, answer they, is yes. Or, or, In or the mathematical I don't, sense? I don't, I don't think Twitter and Facebook care a fuck. All they care about is counting the green. That's all they care about. What do you reckon, Spencer? Well, I'll join Sally and say, of course, you of course you are all those things anyway. But then to the question at hand about Facebook, um, the issue is they care but don't want to deal with the problem. And if you remember Facebook's, uh, Zuckerberg was in front of Congress earlier this year or late last year, and it was actually Dick Durbin from Illinois who I think was running the committee, asked him a question which was really awesome because he says, like, Mr. Zuckerberg, um, did you stay in town in a hotel in Washington, D.C.? He said, yes. He's like, would you care very much to tell everybody on the public record where you're staying and what room number you're in and what you had for dinner and who you called and who you texted? Would you care to share that with everybody? And, of course, you know, data from Star Trek with... He starts sweating, please. Well, like, he's just, I don't know what's going on with this. (laughs) I know nothing. I only count the money. I don't know nothing about this. I'm just saying, like, there's a weird... If you are a Star Trek fan, you know who Commander Data is. There's a weird, like, this brilliant person is, like, a potential robot or an alien because his whole demeanor is... He, like, literally is... Uh, why, of course, no. But that really shines a mirror, you know, holds a mirror up to the problem. Facebook run by Commander Data is thinking about things without the human empathy part of like, well, what if it was me? All of the users are saying, wait a second, why is it okay for as attractive as she is, Kira Knightley to show her breasts, but somebody to talk about a controversial topic gets labeled by their algorithm a certain way. It reminds me in the 1990s about how the Fair Isaac Company, I, I knew the founder and his son I was friends with, they created this data system that essentially controls everybody's lending future from that point forward, right? Your FICO score is like everything if you want to borrow money. There's no humans involved anymore. 
So now what they're doing is going, wait a second, we got like the whole planet using our system. How the hell are we going to police this algorithm to make these decisions? That's a really hard problem. Here's an idea. We'll just throw a little, uh, you know, some, some tchotchkes out there for somebody who's the regulator to, you know, nibble on for a while to make the problem go away. But it doesn't. And so now I can tie this even in my head. I tie this back together with our whole issue of, remember that thing we talked about again and again about neighborhood websites where you have to be the real person? You know, you can't do it anonymously. If they changed Facebook and all the websites into you have to be the real person, 95% of all these problems would go away because people would stop being bad actors and people would be called accountable for what they're doing directly. But right now what happens is you can be anyone, anywhere, anytime with any organization and say provocative shit. And Facebook can't be bothered to fix that kind of a problem because it would be fundamentally destroying the essence of their entire automation. And we will have this thing go on and on again until maybe we hear about the results of the Google antitrust thing. So if Google gets bitch slapped, excuse me if that's misogynistic, but if they get slapped in the face for like antitrust behavior, that's going to be the first shot across the bow for Facebook and for Twitter and everybody else that says, hey guys, you had a great run from the 90s through the 2020s. That world no longer is here. You got you to gotta break this thing down and rebuild it for the way that we're, we're going to have to go forward. And I think it's about time because this election shenanigans and the right now, the perpetuation of this, like Trump and his whole thing are trying to destroy what's left of normalcy. It's like, how much of this do we have to take before we say this is a, a, a dangerous weapon to take away, you know, well, publishing well, anything or any time? I'm sorry, Stephen, but we're running out bit of time and I'm sure of you don't want... But Stephen has to put up with me on my other shows. So uh, um, he's my beloved co-host, so he knows my ways now. We should do. Yeah, um, we need to go. Feeling. We need. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Uh, um, uh, we need to go on to our recommendations of the week and panel. I know you put them in the Slack channel, um, or or should it be called Salesforce channel? Uh, um, but can you also put them into chat because it really helps me? So we're going to start off with my recommendation. If you're looking to stop spam, you know people people from certain countries that want to um, um, comment on your posts, even though you close down the posts for some reason, um, um, use anti-spam B. It really it's a free plugin. It does the job. It stops all this crap, and it works quite well. Um, Stephen, have you got a recommendation of the week? Yeah, I'm going to recommend uh, Camo Pro, which will turn your iPhone into a webcam. I tested it out when they were in beta still, and it was kind of buggy and it wasn't usable. But I saw they had this Black Friday deal going. It's still going on, or I guess Cyber Week for Monday or whatever. It's ending the 4th. So if you get it today, you can still get 40% off your first year. But uh, it turns your iPhone into a webcam, so you get a high-quality camera uh, right on the box. Pretty cool. Uh, put it into chat, please, Stephen, please. Have a Have a... Have you got any? You're recovering from my my terrible remarks. I apologize. No, so uh, uh, good if you want to recommend. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, so this is WordPress adjacent. Um, so everyone that's always struggling to write a uh, a blog post um, for the WordPress site, uh, check out shortlyread.com. Um, it's it's using that OpenAI architecture GPT three that I was talking about. So like. Uh, all you have to do is type a title and it will write a blog post for you. There mm, we go. <laughs> uh, right, all right. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. You caught me off there. Um, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend, Spencer? I do. A uh, free plugin in the repository called Flexible Elementor Panel. If you use Elementor, what this does is it takes your sidebar thing that holds all the widgets and the controls and you can move it around, drag it, fold it, put it in a box. And anybody who's used Elementor on different screens realizes that sometimes that's frustrating. Um, so if you're a fan of Elementor, this one I found really useful. I wish I could find, and I haven't yet, so somebody let us know, is there any tool that lets you hide all the unused sections of the widgets that you don't have an interest in? Because right now that's my current drag is that if you have a lot of add-ons for Elementor, you have to like close all those panels, but they don't stay closed. So first world problem. All right. Um, Sally, got anything you want to recommend? 
Uh, yes, there's a plugin called Gutenberg Post Blocks uh, that I have put the link to. The link is it, it actually Ultimate Post uh, uh, is the <clears throat> handle of 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 the plugin. But uh, Gutenberg Post Blocks it gives you all kinds of different options for adding um, posts or any other dynamic post type uh, into. Uh, a page and displaying them. Uh, I actually bought the pro version, uh, which has a ton of sort of predefined layouts uh, for different post collections. And I know that the people who use Gutenberg are, are often sort of like, all right, can I find a decent recent post block? Because the stupid, you know, core block for posts is really um, pathetic. Uh, so. Oh, that's great. John, have you got anything to recommend? Yes, I would love to uh, to pump this one up. This is a site called underrepresentedintech.com. This is put together by Ali Nimmons and Michelle Frechette of the WordPress community. Now, if you look at the U.S. population, 60% of the population is white. 50% is male. Now, the, the other 50% is women, and the other 40% is uh, people who are not white. But if you look at podcasts, if you look at who is, you know, on the speaking stages, what is it? It's 90, uh, and I tell you, and I looked at various WordPress podcasts in the space, and it's very lacking. Um, so if you are running a podcast, if you are running a conference, if you are looking for speakers for your virtual event, this is a database. Now, if you are a, uh, a person who is not part of the majority uh, or the, the ruling um, whatever group, you can, you can add your details to this. If you are looking for, for people to have on your show or event or contribute to your project, you can search this database by skill, um, and you will get a list of people. Now, if you're running a podcast, one out of every two people should be female to, to match the population. One out of every two, not 95% white guys, okay? And two out of every five people that should be on your speaking stage or on your podcast should be from a minority group, not 95% white guys. So just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, I have to say that the results came out from the um, uh, <clears throat> sort of state of CSS survey. And, uh, you know, 80% well, of the respondents were male. Yeah. Which, well, all I, can, all, all I can say to you, John and Sally, is based on my own experience, Heather has been very gracious to accept to come on the show regularly. I don't know if she's regretted that decision now. Uh, um, I've got to tell you that I did a lot of outreach to a lot of women that um, that are well known in the WordPress community. Maybe they don't like me, or the, but it was extremely difficult to get to regular panelists that were female um, to agree to come on the show on a regular basis. I don't know why that was, but. I, That's that, that. What I said was not meant as an indictment of you. No, but no, no, it was just John. in general what I see, and yeah, I agree with you. Like yeah. I said, I I think a lot of people just pick who they know or who has a, a big following because they want to, mm. you know, be buddy buddies with whoever's popular, and who's popular is who had a head start, which is white guys. So you have to be intentional about trying to, you know, actually match. Who's in the population, and it's not all white people. In twenty <laughs> in twenty years, it's only going to be forty percent of the population. So, you know, let's not make it a, a bad situation. Let's actually, you know, do the hard work of of analyzing like who we're having on our shows and on our speaking stages. I'm so I'm so tempted to do um, use my some of my English. Here, but it's totally 
I'm not going to dig a grave for myself. So um, <laughs> you, you uh, get um, enough hate mail? Is is that what you're saying, Jonathan? Uh, I'm so tempted. I'm bad, aren't I? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I mean, there you go. Uh, um, women are responsible for a lot of additional things. That means they have less time to. Uh, oh, it's worse than that. I was going to go. Podcast. I was going to. I was going to go down an even worse route. So, but I'm not. And, uh, and um, it's so, pan, you know, so in the pandemic, a lot worse. Yeah, so a lot worse. Very bad. Um, Stephen, how how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? And Stephen, he's got this um, service, Zipfish, where he will make your website faster and and he's made some of my websites faster and some of my clients. So go over there. I highly recommend that service. So how can people find more about you, Stephen? Uh, Head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test, see how much faster you can make your website. That's great. Eva, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I'm Heatheriel everywhere online, so just look for Heatheriel. That's great. Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Launchflows.com or WPFusion.com. Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, WPFangirl.com, and I am at Sally Getch on most networks, certainly uh, Twitter and Instagram where I spend you know, more time than on most other places. Um, okay. John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? LockdownSEO.com for the website and uh, John Locke SEO for the YouTube channel. Now go to his YouTube channel. Do subscribe. He does a great job on there. Um, thank you, panel. And thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week. We'll uh, have an equally fascinating discussion. I thought we did a great job this week. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 